Blackwood, a Gothheim tale, written by Clyde Davis. Narration and sound design by Alex Schiffer. Music by Josh Fisher. Episode 4, The Visitation By the time the agents of the Citadel had concluded their council, the Candle and Cask's common room was deserted. Besides the Inquisitor and his apprentice, Mr. Shaw was the only other person left in the inn. The macabre room was now overly populated with deep shadows, the glass-like eyes of taxidermy animal heads staring at the three men from their perches along the walls a silent audience to the dark business at hand. The fire in the hearth would burn long into the early morning still, and the gold glow from the flames leapt back and forth like the tongues of a mouth to hell. Blackwood walked to the bar. Fee followed in his master's stride, carrying the Inquisitor's letter bag and wide-brimmed hat. The Inquisitor placed his hand on the countertop once again, and looked at Mr. Shaw with eyes that had seen things blacker than what the darkest imagination could conjure. Beneath the weight of Blackwood's stare, the innkeeper seemed fragile. I would like to see your daughter, Mr. Shaw. His tone of voice was flat and matter-of-fact. Blackwood could see the conflict of a father behind Mr. Shaw's eyes. Beads of sweat appeared below the man's hairline. If only for a moment, the Inquisitor allowed the thoughts of a father to weigh the options set before him. Mary is sleeping, the innkeeper replied, hoarsely. On the countertop, the Inquisitor's flat hands crossed into fists. And so she has been for days now, Blackwood said. His voice remained steady, but even in the poor light of the room, the apprentice at his side noticed the wolfish glint in the Inquisitor's eyes. Mr. Shaw remained still where he stood, facing the hard glare of the Inquisitor. A bird against a wolf. Fee could appreciate the man's courage, but there was no standing against an Inquisitor, and Blackwood was like no other. Blackwood released a deep breath of air through slightly opened lips. Do not let the instincts of fatherhood come between the citadel and the fate of your daughter. To stand against me is to welcome death. I will see your daughter this evening, Mr. Shaw. Do you deny me? A sharpness in his voice as he asked the question. Mr. Shaw's panic-stricken eyes first glanced at Fee, hoping to find some salvation there. But when he saw nothing but cold temperament in the man's face, he looked back at the Inquisitor. The strain in his brow gave way to resignation, and his shoulders slumped forward as if heavy stone had been removed from his neck. Very well, he muttered. He threw the cleaning cloth, which seemed to be a permanent fixture in his hands, onto the bar counter and made his way toward the staircase. Follow me, Master Blackwood. He managed with a forced politeness. The Inquisitor and Apprentice followed Mr. Shaw up the stairs and onto the landing. Blackwood recognized it from Fee's tail, and looked beyond the innkeeper towards the end of the hallway. There, set in darkness, stood a single door. A glow escaped from its frame, drawing a square of faint light in the dark passage. The girl's room. He imagined the girl standing in the dark, bare as the day she was born, as his apprentice had described. Her eyes glazed over with an otherworldly sight. In his mind, Blackwood traced her steps down the passageway, past where they stood now, and down the stairs. He followed Mr. Shaw down the passageway towards the lone door. The floor was cushioned, with a thick carpet and the footfalls of three men were soft and barely audible, but they stepped as though there was broken glass beneath their feet, 
Mr. Shaw walks slowly, as if trying not to wake his daughter. In the silence beyond his shoulder, Blackwood could hear Fee's breathing grow unsettled. The Inquisitor kept his eyes fixed on the door as they approached. On either side, rooms stood closed and no light crept from beneath their doors. They could have been the only people awake in Westgrave. This was not a surprise to Blackwood, taking into account the late hour. Mr. Shaw paused before the door to Mary's room. Here the air was stale and thick. The innkeeper placed his hand on the doorknob and looked over his shoulder, catching Blackwood's eyes. The father's eyes were wide with fear. Mary lies inside, he whispered. Blackwood nodded to him to open the door. Slowly, Mr. Shaw turned the doorknob and eased the door inward. The sickly light, pale and green in the awkwardly fitting doorframe, brightened into a warm glow. The thick air became oppressive, the hint of something foul meeting them at the threshold of the passageway. Mr. Shaw stepped into the bedroom, and the other two followed. It took a moment for Blackwood's eyes to adjust to the brightness of the room. Countless candles stood about the room like distant cities built upon mounds of melted wax. The army of little flames cast a dancing light about the room. A small fire burned in the fireplace at the far end of the room. Once, this room would have been the inn's fanciest room, reserved for a wealthy merchant or a weary traveler willing to spend a little more coin for some extra comfort. Now it was the living mausoleum of the Shaw girl. She lay still and asleep upon a bed against the furthest wall. The air was sickly hot. The cumulative heat of the candles and fire made it almost unbearable, and underneath the sweaty air, Blackwood smelled the faint odor of death which seemed to move about in the room. He walked toward the bed, and as he did, the foulness in the air receded before him. He unbuttoned his coat completely and slipped it off, holding it out for Fee. The apprentice stepped forward and relieved Blackwood of the garment. Blackwood could already feel the sweat gather beneath his arms and in the small of his back. It wouldn't take long until his shirt was soaked through. He was tempted to unbutton his black waistcoat and he would have, if not for the concealed mesh armor sewn into its lining. Standing over the bed, the Inquisitor examined Mary Shaw. A film of perspiration covered the girl's skin, and the thin night-grown covering her body clung tightly to her, revealing her developing body. Her hair was combed neatly into a side parting, Blackwood glanced around the room from where he stood. Candles burnt gently on the windowsill. In the corner behind the door stood a chair, still holding the shape of someone's buttocks in the cushion. Who's been watching the girl? Blackwood asked in a hushed voice. Still standing by the door, Mr. Shaw cleared his voice and answered, My wife, Master Inquisitor. She only leaves the child to gain a few hours of sleep. Blackwood looked at Fee. The color had left the young man's face, and a dark gray pallid had settled over his thinning cheeks. Even on the night she left her bed and walked to the woods? He queried. Mr. Shaw looked nervously at Fee. Nay, not on that night. There was nothing all to say she was anything but sick the father asserted. Blackwood turned his attention back to Mary. For just a moment, he nearly missed it. The air around the girl was fetid, like a damp grave. Yet, as quickly as he caught it, the smell dissipated. There was something strange in the air. He could feel it pushing on his mind. He examined the mattress surrounding the girl, and noticed round stones beneath the blankets. 
the Inquisitor slipped a hand beneath the sheets and placed a hand on one of them. Warming stones. He looked at the candles and the fire once again. By now, the sweat was trickling down his back. His shirt clung to his waistcoat. Something pulled at the back of his right ear. It was the feeling you get when someone lurked behind you and peered over your shoulder. He tried to push the feeling away, and as if in response, a breath of foul air blew over his shoulder and into his face. Blackwood turned quickly, only to see Fee and Mr. Shaw watching him intently from the doorway. Something is wrong with the air here. He was sure of it. The candles along the shelf above the fireplace fluttered slightly. Despite there being no draft, Fee caught the unnatural movement in the air too. The Inquisitor was relieved to see his apprentice still in command of his wits. He turned back to the bed and felt another stone. It too was warm. To keep her warm, Mr. Shaw called out from the doorway. No matter what we try, we can't get our Mary warm. Blackwood did not turn to face the innkeeper. He was examining the girl even closer. Her chest rose and fell with the slight rhythm of deep sleep. Her eyes rolled violently behind her closed lids, moving one way and the other. Dreams. Nightmares. Blackwood thought of another possibility. Visions. He placed his hand on the girl's bare forearm. From the doorway, Blackwood heard Mr. Shaw take a step forward. Come no closer. He nearly growled, not taking his eyes from the girl. Mary's skin was cold to the touch. He could feel the pulse of blood beneath the softness. There was no sign of death here, but something unnatural was at work. The air behind his ear stirred again, and with it, a sense of dread clawed up his back like little daggers of ice. Blackwood tightened his grip around the girl's arm. Her eyes began to shudder more violently. From behind him, the imposing sense of dread grew stronger like a whisper reaching for his ear. Blackwood fought against it, squeezing Mary's thin arm, the knuckles of his hand turning white. The dread licked at the nape of his neck, and the foul smell of mold and spoiled flesh hit his cheek. The face of a woman, turned wretched by the long years of age, peering over his shoulder, flashed through his mind like a hot razor. He could smell the reek of death come off her black teeth. He could feel it drip from her even blacker tongue as it reached out desperately from her gnarled mouth to lick his ear, her mad eyes rolling upward to the ceiling in languorous pleasure. The image of the woman was so clear, Blackwood could nearly feel the wretch's leathery skin against his neck. He turned on his feet, letting go of Mary's arm, and peered around the room, Mr. Shaw and Fee remained where they had been moments before, except the dread he had felt was worn on their faces like horrible masks. The Inquisitor followed their eyes and saw a shadow move across the room, following the line of candle mounds against the far wall. The flames flickered and wavered violently in its wake. The smell of an open grave was ripe now. The scent of upturned earth and rot, ancient and dry, filled the room. The shadows skirted across the wall before vanishing in the darkness behind the bed. The old ways. The image of the haggard woman left his mind as quickly as it had emerged, and the thought of fey magic reinvigorated his fortitude. He turned to face the girl again. The air grew closed, almost suffocating, and the candles scattered about the room began to flicker violently. Blackwood released his grip on Mary's arm and waited. The flames quietened, and the air loosened. The foul odor diminished, but it did not leave the room entirely. 
the Inquisitor waited for another moment to be sure of his suspicion. He could touch the girl's arm again to be sure, but his instincts told him that wouldn't be necessary. Years of pursuing magic kind and the nightmares from its realm had sharpened his hunter's instinct to the point of primitive precognition. There was something in the room, either of or connected to the girl that despised his presence in the room and hated his touch on her even more. The Inquisitor began to run through possibilities in his mind. A witch powerful enough to possess a mortal hadn't been heard of or seen in decades. That was the true magic of the old ways, powers of the ancient ones, and they were long gone, dead before the end of the war. Yet an inquisitor never dismissed a suspicion. If a witch of such power was responsible for Mary Shaw's condition, then the Citadel had far darker concerns than what was happening in Westgrave. He thought of the witch Fee had allegedly seen in the fog. He had not just felt a haggard presence over his shoulder. The old ways worked in strange ways, doing strange things to one's mind. Blackwood focused himself on the situation at hand and pulled his thoughts back from their wanderings. If not a witch, then what? A shade? A shade could not hide in such light, despite the dancing shadows cast by the firelight. There was the possibility that the girl was an inherent. He glazed over her developing body, following the way the nightgown clung to her perspiring skin, accentuating the curves and bumps of her maturing form. She was of the right age, crossing from being a child into womanhood. Inherents were rare, too, but Blackwood favored the odds of this being the cause of the supernatural occurrences in Westgrave, rather than the presence of witchcraft. There is only one way to strip the veil from the true culprit's face. Blackwood pulled the black coin from his trouser pocket and looked at it nestled in the palm of his upturned hand. He watched as faint ribbons of shadow fluttered around its edges as it consumed the light around it. The sigil of the Inquisition, the cross with double arms, was stamped into its surface. The black token was an aged tool of Blackwood's order, one of the first to be created to aid the Inquisitor in their hunt for the Fae, in lesser magic kind. The coin was blessed with holy litanies, and was athema to the otherworldly. He turned it in his hand until it sat between his index finger and thumb. Slowly, whilst maintaining his awareness of the room, Blackwood reached out and held the black coin over the chest of the girl. The air stirred around her, and the oppressive presence returned to the room. Beyond the bed, the candles began to flutter in an unseen and unfelt wind. Even the flames in the fireplace seemed to struggle against the phantom wind. The ribbons of shadow thickened around the edges of the coin, as the effects of the token began to challenge whatever dark magic was at work in Mary Shaw. The coin grew heavier between his fingers, and his arm began to tremble. The wretched smell returned, and this time it lingered before Blackwood as if death blew into his face with an open mouth. The stench bloomed from where the girl lay upon the bed. Blackwood strained to keep his hold on the coin, and the more it reacted to the unseen magic, the stronger the unknown presence became, filling the room with its aura of dread. The candles flickered violently now, and the fire in the hearth shifted between near suffocation and a raging furnace. Light and darkness struggled against one another. Blackwood fought to hold the coin before the girl. Whatever ill machinations were at play here, they were strong. Far stronger than he'd expected. He struggled on. It was only a matter of time before the black coin overcame the theatrics of devilry. The stones around the girl began to steam, turning the bedsheets black with their growing heat. The coin rang between his fingers 
and a deep groan born from a breathless mouth, unending in its tormented waking, filled the room. The phantom wind which harassed the candles and flames suddenly erupted into reality, carrying with it the smell of filthy feathers and dried bones. It wailed from each corner, blowing out every candle gutting the fire as it reached a sudden crescendo. Blackwood fought against the urge to put his hand to his ears. On the back of the wind, a foul voice screamed indiscernible words, but Blackwood took them for what they were, curses. As the last remnant of light was vanquished, the wind ceased and there was silence. Candles rolled across the floor. Smoke drifted in faint blue clouds. Down the passageway, Blackwood could hear the occupants in the other rooms begin to stir. He turned quickly and peered over his shoulder. Shut the door, Fee! He barked. Whatever fiend the coin was forcing from its hiding place, the Inquisitor did not want it escaping into the passageway. At first, Fee remained where he stood. The apprentice was obviously still stunned by the terrible events he just witnessed. Mr. Shaw was frozen too, paralyzed with fear. Fee, the door! The Inquisitor ordered again, his voice a deep growl. This time Fee managed to shake the terror from his limbs. He reached for the door and slammed it shut. It rocked in its frame, and a few flakes of plaster fell to the ground like pale leaves. A purple twilight filled the room, and the heat subsided just a little. Fee turned from the door and rested his back against it. The long sigh of relief, which he began to release through pursed lips, caught in his tongue as he looked across the room at the bed where Mary Shaw lay. He raised an arm and pointed a shaking finger at something beyond the Inquisitor. Blackwood watched as his apprentice struggled to raise his arm to shoulder height. In the dark, the young man's finger looked like a white wand of bone and flesh. The finger pointed at him, but Fee's eyes looked beyond him, over his shoulder at something behind the Inquisitor. Blackwood followed the apprentice's eyes and turned to look back at the bed. Mary Shaw sat upright in the bed, her pale skin almost luminescent in the strange twilight. Her long, dark hair fell in thick cascades down to her lower back. She looked straight ahead, with eyes clouded over. A milky storm bellowed within them, shadows shifting in the gray murk. Blackwood leapt to his feet and held the black coin before him like a ward. In the darkness, Mary's head turned on her neck and her waxen face looked up at the Inquisitor, those white eyes looking beyond him. Her mouth stretched open, pulling her face at strange angles like soft clay, twisting her soft, girlish features into a distorted mask. From the depths of her open mouth, a hollow rasp echoed from within her black throat. Abyssal sorcery followed in its wake, conjuring living flame, reigniting the extinguished candles and cold hearth. All at once, the room was alight. Blackwood took a step forward, wielding the black token of the citadel before him. The girl hissed at him, the traces of a scowl wrinkling her twisted face. Declare yourself, the Inquisitor growled. He glared at Mary Shaw, peering deep eyes, challenging whatever lurked behind the enchantment. Mary Shaw, or the girl that once was her, released a tired laugh from her gaping mouth. Scoffing at the Inquisitor's order, she placed her hands in her lap and looked about the room, her twisted face creaking under the strain of her stretched open mouth. The cuts that had begun to heal, the corners of her lips reopened, and fresh lines of blood began to trickle down her chin. Stop it, I beg you! Mr. Shaw yelled from his place of paralysis. 
Blackwood disregarded his pleas, not knowing if the man's cry was from him or his daughter. He took another step forward. The weight of the coin in his hand was tremendous, now as the magic in Mary began to waken. He had experienced such strong reactions between the black coin and the old ways before, but it never fully prepared him for the strain it put upon him. The power of the coin was only as strong as his mind, as resolute as his will, and he focused his thoughts on it. The force contained within the coin acted like a lodestone to magic and the creatures which possess it, drawing them from hiding like poison from a wound. Whatever was at work here was reacting strongly to the coin's magnetism. He needed to maintain the connection. If the conduit between the coin and the old ways were to snap, there would be no telling how things may unravel. At the moment, the token was drawing the magic out of the shadows, but holding it at bay too, like a cage around a wild animal. A sudden break in that bind could send the essence of magic beyond the reach of its power, or worse, unleash it upon the room in a fury. The latter would spell doom for everyone, perhaps even Mary. Sweat trickled down the Inquisitor's temples. He maintained his focus on the coin between his fingers and the distorted face of Mary Shaw. Reveal yourself, he ordered again, his voice straining beneath the effort to maintain the influence of the coin. Whatever it was, Blackwood could feel its powerful will press against his, as if his voice was some distant nuisance. Mary Shaw turned her face, her glazed eyes taking in the room and settling on the Inquisitor. A voice as dry as winter leaves shambled out of her black mouth. Declare yourself murderer of children, it sneered. A creaking laugh followed the words like a hollow wind. Blackwood grimaced. I am Blackwood, Inquisitor of the Citadel, he declared, and by the power of this sigil, I command you to speak your name. The black coin pulled at him, nearly sending him off balance, but he resisted its weight. We don't declare ourselves as the deathlike voice exclaimed. A fresh smell of rot came off the back of its retort. Speak, the Inquisitor barked. For a moment, the girl-like qualities returned to Mary's face, and the murky cataracts over her eyes revealed the blue beneath. I am Mary Shaw, the girl's voice protested, innocent and sweet compared to the rasping one that had preceded it. From the back of the room, her father took a step forward. Mary! He cried, motion cracking through a single word. Stay where you are, Blackwood commanded, not daring to take his eyes off the girl. Mary's eyes milked over again, and the gentleness disappeared from her face. The dry laugh cackled from the back of her throat once more. And you stay the voice teased almost taking on the sound of Blackwood's voice as it reveled in the word Citadel. The candles began to flicker again, and from behind the head of the bed, a dark shadow began to grow, consuming the wall and reaching out like an impenetrable vapor. It gathered mass and came to a halt just behind Mary's upright back. Blackwood reached behind his own back, and gripped the smooth wooden handle holstered in his belt. In an instant, Mary's neck cracked violently as she turned to address the Inquisitor's movement. Do you recall the murder of children? She hissed. The room wavered for a moment before Blackwood. Ripples ran along the walls, as if a pebble had been dropped into a pond. The shadow behind Mary turned and shifted and everything began to fall away. The candles grew dimmer. The heat from the fireplace dwindled. And beneath him, the floor vanished as the room began to shrink beneath the growing mass of the shadow.
until there was only darkness. It engulfed everything. All around him, the abyss stretched. There were no horizons, or ceiling above him. There was no sign of the room. Fee and Mr. Shaw were gone. Even Mary had vanished. Blackwood looked down at his feet and saw nothing but darkness stretched beneath him. He was an island of existence, in an ocean of nothingness. He took a step forward and felt that his boot found footing on the ground beneath him. But no sound came from the footfall. He looked for the black coin in his hand, and it was gone. Almost out of instinct, he reached for the wooden handle holstered at the back of his belt, and again he found nothing. Whatever this was, some kind of spell or enchantment, he had been stripped of his inquisitorial tools. A powerful magic had to be at work, to not only disarm him, but to displace him in some otherworldly realm. He could feel the weight of dread sink into the bottom of his stomach. In the stillness of the nothing, Blackwood could feel something approach from the rear. It traveled from a distance, but he could still sense it coming. He thought he could hear it, a faint murmur, like a muffled cry. He turned to face it and heard nothing. He looked into the distance of the never-ending blackness and saw nothing. From over his shoulder, he could hear it approach again. Impossible. Approaching from the direction he had just been facing, Blackwood could hear the murmur grow louder as it continued to approach. He turned again, and as before it ceased to come from the direction he faced but instead crept from behind him. The Inquisitor listened. Cold sweat gathered in the small of his back. He didn't know the dead to sweat. That was at least a small relief in this strange place. The murmur grew louder, echoing from the distance of the darkness like rolling thunder, gaining speed, getting closer, until it took form and filled the nothing with the rasping laughter of the unknown voice. It came from every direction, mocking him as it cackled through the dark, and then fell silent again. Blackwood turned, squinting into the darkness that surrounded him. There was something, or someone, here with him. He could feel it. The hunter's instinct was beginning to take control, and he relied more on that now than on his senses. Whatever it was, it moved with extraordinary speed, shifting from one flank to another. He almost thought he could hear the sound of rough material, like clothing, rustle in the darkness. There it was, to his left then again to his right, this time followed by a faint snicker, of course, ancient laughter. Blackwood could hear his heartbeat between his ears. From somewhere up ahead, the laughter cracked through the silence like a shrill whip, charging toward him with speed. In his mind's eye, Blackwood could see a horribly withered hag charge out of the darkness her eyes mad with black magic, and a wicked tongue dangling out of her mouth. All of this he saw in his mind, but with his eyes, there was only the impenetrable darkness. She was close, racing forward in a tattered dress, spoiled with blood and filth. Still there was only darkness before him. At any moment, she would break through the shadows and be upon him and he would be defenseless against whatever would follow. The dread filled his drying mouth with a sour taste. Any moment now, he braced himself. The darkness before him remained still, unchanged. And then, 
against his ear, a croaking voice whispered with a foul breath. Don't you remember? Blackwood shuddered at the voice in his ear as cold fear ran down his back and darkness engulfed everything. The darkness receded, giving way to a firestorm that colored the night sky red. A great sea of fire and smoke engulfed the distant town, turning the horizon into an apocalyptic scene of destruction. Whirlwinds of fire, carried by gusts of wind, moved from east to west, spreading the inferno to untouched corridors of buildings. Overhead, clouds of smoke and ash converged into massive towers that defied the sanctity of the heavens. Air boiled, and the screams of several hundred souls could be heard wailing beneath the raging fires. The cobbled streets cracked and melted beneath the heat of the furnace, the stone bubbling and splitting like wood. By dawn, the town would be reduced to a hellish wasteland of smoldering debris and devastation. Blackwood watched the scene unfold from a hilltop not far from where the first buildings of the town once stood. Even from such a distance, he had to raise his hand against the heat. The voice whispered in his ear again, Do you remember? There was no laughter now just an overpowering sense of pain and desperation in the words. Blackwood looked around with eyes that were not his own. He raised hands that were not his own, and looked at the gauntlets that covered them. The body he possessed was enclosed in a highly decorated suit of armor. Fine and intricate lines of filigree ran across the breastplate, and in the bright orange light cast by the distant inferno, he could make out the images of horrible angels depicted in the metalwork. This was not his body. This was not his memory. Despite these truths, he still felt a distant familiarity to it all. As if he were a fragment of the memory itself. In some way part of the recollection, but not entirely present. He recognized the armor adorning the body he possessed. It was the armor of the Emperor's honor guard, the Baldurim. How was that even possible? The Baldurim were of another age, legendary warriors of the first war of religion, the founding fathers of the Inquisition. The Inquisitor turned his back to the burning town in the distance. Standing in the strange, fiery twilight was a group of men, other Baldurim their armor sparkling in the glow of the firestorm, spreading across the horizon. None of them looked at him. Blackwood couldn't be sure if he was entirely here, there, or in whatever time and space he found himself. The dark figures ahead stood in a closed cluster, their attention drawn to something at the center of the hilltop. Whatever it was, it resided beyond the light cast by the distant fires, and beyond his line of sight. Blackwood found himself stepping forward, not out of his own predilection, but because this was what the vision, or memory, wanted him to see. This is what he believed. The body that hosted him began to walk across the knoll, its black armored boots crushing the long grass beneath its heels. Blackwood could feel the cooler night air caress his face. He could still smell ash and smoke and fire upon the breeze, but there was a freshness in it too, the faint touch of woodlands and water. The men ahead grew closer as long strides bore him forward. As he approached, the scene before him became clearer. The gathering of the Baldurin was a grim audience before the stage of what would be a second burning. The men's faces were hard and cruel, their eyes filled with ruthless hate. Some rested their hands on the pommels of their longswords, and others leaned on the shafts of spears. But all their eyes 
were bent to the same thing. A few feet ahead of them, at the center of the hilltop, seven stakes stood erected in the ground. Bound to each stake was a girl, no older than her adolescent years, no older than Mary Shaw. Do you remember now? The voice whispered in his ear again. This time the words contained a sense of urgency rather than hostility. It urged him on, both in mind as well as body. Or at least the host body he now possessed. The armored golem moved closer, joining the cluster of honor guards before the seven stakes. From here, Blackwood could see each girl plainly. They were strikingly beautiful in their own way. One had hair as violent as fire. Another's was the color of ash, even though age had not yet touched her face. Once before their faces had been beaten, the seven girls had been beautiful, but now the girls were broken and bloody, tied to their own unlit pyre. At the base of each stake were bundles of kindling. The Bilderim, at the head of the group, turned and faced those behind him. For a moment his eyes paused on Blackwood and met his stare. The man's eyes were unfeeling, in a face scarred by war. He gave each of his companions a slight nod before approaching the girls. The others returned the gesture and followed. It was only then that Blackwood noticed each man also carried a jar. Even he carried a jar. His host body stepped forward and made for one of the girls to the left of the hilltop. The voice questioned him again. Do you remember? Blackwood answered in his mind. This is not my memory. I do not know this. His host body stopped before the stake, and Blackwood looked through a stranger's eyes at the girl bound before him. Her legs were cut and bruised, the dress she wore torn and marred with blood and filth. Molted dirt and twigs mangled her hair, and blood still flowed from the wounds on her face. Welts and bruises still swelled across her cheeks and brow. Yet, despite her condition, the girl's eyes were clear and aware. There was no fear in her eyes, just an untamable wilderness that looked down at Blackwood with contempt. The host body lifted the jar and began to pour its contents over the kindling. And when it seemed empty, the golem cast the last dregs of the girl's feet. Oil. Again, the voice whispered in his ear, this time almost pleading for him to remember. I do not know this memory, the Inquisitor answered. Although he spoke true of this memory, that was not his own, let alone of his own age. This was a bygone memory, a recollection from another life that was now being imposed upon his mind. And yet, despite its archaic origin, Blackwood knew what he was witnessing. Baldurim, a town struck by ruin and girls beaten and tied to the stake. This was a purge, probably just one of the thousand carried out during the wars of religion. For the Emperor's sake, how many purges had he been a part of? The host body withdrew from the stake and rejoined the other Baldurim. The one who seemed to be the leader of the group gathered a torch from one of the others and began to walk from stake to stake, pausing only long enough to dip the head of the torch into the kindling and let the oil catch a light. One, two, Three. Blackwood counted as each pyre caught a light, the flames starting slowly in the dry kindling, gathering their appetite, until the oil burst into fire. By the time the seventh pyre was lit, 
The first few were fully ablaze. The girls bound to them, completely engulfed in hungry flames. Screams wailed over the roar of the fires, and sickly black smoke began to pollute the fresh hilltop air with the smell of charred flesh and burnt hair. The girls' screams grew louder. Some fought against the fireproof binds that kept them tied to the stakes, whilst the others simply accepted their fates and succumbed to the immolation. The Inquisitor watched the burning and understood. This was a victory, one against the old ways and the evils it had brought onto the people. These magic kind would no longer plague villages and the land been tended to with their foul curses. Yes, this was a victory. The voice came from inside his head this time, wailing louder than all the girls given to the fire. Don't you remember killer of children? Blackwood reached for his, or rather, the host body's head, but the arms and hands did nothing. The voice echoed in his mind, shrieking in pain and grief, and beneath that, a harsh anger began to arise, an ancient anger, Blackwood could feel it, beyond the stakes, on the edge of the glow from the burning pyres, Blackwood caught the glimpse of a woman, she was hard to see through the darkness of the dancing flames and thickening smoke, but he could make out her shape on the far end of the hilltop. She stood still, and although her face was hidden in shadow, Blackwood could feel her eyes upon him, her glare boring into him, looking beyond the shell of the host body and into the depths of his soul. The anger and hatred in her stare tainted his soul. She hissed the dry scraping of her ancient voice cutting through his mind. She repeated. There was nothing Blackwood could do to keep her voice out of his mind. Whatever memory or enchantment this was, he had no power within it. Her words echoed in his mind. Fee stood helpless as he watched the shadow grow from the head of the bed, stretching along the walls as a gathered mass. It paused just behind Mary, heaving and twisting on itself. The girl had turned all attention onto Blackwood, and from where Fee stood, the Inquisitor seemed to be battling against the will of some unseen force. His one hand remained stretched out before him, the black coin of the citadel gripped between his fingers. Fee could see the Inquisitor's grip struggle to hold on the coin, as if it weighed more than he could bear. Blackwood's other hand reached behind him and held the polished wooden handle of the shar or holstered on the back of his belt. Whatever was happening in the room, the Inquisitor felt it necessary to reach for that horrible weapon. The thought sent a new wave of fear through Fee. Behind him, Mr. Shaw had gone silent, petrified with terror. All about the room the candles flickered violently, and the fire in the hearth raged with an unnatural rhythm, the flames stuttering in and out of existence. He hadn't gone through the rites to become an Inquisitor yet he could feel the presence of the old ways gather in the room. He could feel its oiliness on his skin. He could hear its voice within his mind, turning his thoughts against him. It would only be a matter of time before its touch sent his mind down a maddening gyre. This is what they had been taught the Citadel, and now he was feeling the effects of the ancient magic firsthand. He gathered his thoughts and reinforced his willpower, concentrating on his identity. The best defense against the old ways was to hold on to yourself. It wouldn't stop the poisoning of the mind. 
but it would hold its crippling effect at bay for a little longer. Fee held on to this. He focused on his willpower, and began to push the magic out of his mind. Across the room, Fee could see Mary's white eyes burrow into the Inquisitor, and from her stretched mouth, the ancient Phaeton came shambling out in a languorous drawl. He had no understanding of it, but he could feel its strength and power, and knew it to be a spell. Blackwood appeared frozen where he stood, his one hand still resting on the handle of the Sharer, and the other still grasping onto the coin beneath his fingers. The Inquisitor had not moved in some long minutes, Fee realized. There was no knowing what enchantment the girl had cast upon him, but if Mary was to lunge for his master, or worse, if the writhing shadow stretched from the bed decided to pounce, Blackwood would be defenseless. Fee took a step forward, breaking the shackles of fear around his ankles. He took another step. If he could reach the Inquisitor and grab the Shar, perhaps they stand a chance. The Shar was bound to Blackwood, and he had no idea what would happen if he were to take hold of it. But he hoped the hollowed weapon would recognize his need to use it. If it allowed him to handle it, and not strike him or punish him with death, he would cut the girl down. At that moment, as the thought of murdering Mary Shaw crossed his mind, the shifting darkness beneath the girl slowed its movements. Mary maintained her unyielding stare upon the Inquisitor. But from the shadow behind her, filthy fingers, wrinkled and stained black emerged. Ten gnarled fingers crept out of the darkness, five coming to rest on Mary's youthful shoulders. Ragged nails cut through the fine nightgown and dug into the girl's skin, drawing delicate drops of blood through the thin material. Fee paused at the sight, and a hot flash of panic ran through him. The strength of the old ways whipped at his mind, and for a moment, his courage faltered. He took another step forward, concentrating what will remained in his heart on the shar hanging from his master's belt. The shadow stirred and then paused again. From behind Mary's head, emerging from the shadow, was a horrible face. The same haggard face he had seen in the fog. As it emerged, it looked at him with malicious eyes dark orbs that shone with a gleeful hatred. The lower half of the wrinkled face was twisted with a sickening smile of black teeth. The hag licked at her leathery lips with a fat, dark tongue as she stared at him with sordid glee. Fee couldn't be sure if it was with hunger or pleasure that those horrible eyes looked at him but he knew his death lay at the end of either desire. He stopped mid-step, and the hag's smile widened further, revealing gums colored by decay, her wicked fingers tightening around Mary's shoulders, and the thick tongue slipped back into the wretched mouth. She stared at Fee and laughed with evil delight. She whispered, and then laughed again, this time the black tongue falling out of her mouth and rolling over her lips. Fear gripped Fee, and he could do nothing before the hag. She stared at him with insidious delight, and he could feel himself become aroused, despite feeling nothing but repulsion. She laughed again and taunted him with the Inquisitor's declaration. Her laughter echoed through the room grasped at the walls of willpower he had managed to build around his mind. The sense of arousal continued to grow despite the sickening feeling that lined his stomach. And beyond that, there was something worse. Fee could feel it emanate from the hag like a lance of pure hatred. And then he knew it was not hunger or pleasure that filled her dark eyes, but a raw and desperate desire to kill him.
She laughed at him again, as if she could sense the realization dawning across his mind. Death. This was what that face wished for him. She slowly began to recede back into the shadow, the gray wisps of hair disappearing into the darkness first, and then those terrible eyes vanished, until the ridge of the ancient nose was the last part to be swallowed by the shadow. The scene upon the hilltop faded into that place of abyssal darkness, and after a long moment in time, the room in the candle and cask came into view again. At first, the walls were distant, barely visible, and there was no floor beneath Blackwood's feet. But with each breath, the walls got closer and the room more tangible. The light from the candles began to chase the darkness away, and the nothingness which ruled that place gave way to Mary Shaw's bedroom. Mary Shaw appeared before Blackwood like a specter from a dream. She emerged out of the darkness, her white eyes still gazing at him. His eyes caught the slightest movement below Mary's face and saw the tips of hideous figures disappear into the swirling shadow behind the girl. The shadow pulled away, shrinking back into the corner of the room before finally disappearing behind the bed. The unnatural stuttering of the fire in the hearth steadied, and the imposing presence which had pervaded the room disappeared. Mary Shaw fell back onto the bed, her eyes rolling shut as her head hit the pillow. Fine trickles of blood marred her chin, and from what he could see, they appeared to be ten blood spots lined across her shoulders, the nightgown slightly torn in each of those places. Blackwood lowered the black token, the weight of it no more than a regular coin, and removed his hand from the sharer. He glanced over his shoulder and found Fee halfway across the room, paused mid-stride with a deathly expression upon his face. Fee, he called. His voice was dry and strained. Fee did not react immediately to his master's call. Blackwood called his name again, and only then did he snap out of the trance which held him. The young man's face was drawn and pale. The Inquisitor walked across the room and took Fee by the shoulders. What happened here? Fee shook himself and met his master's stare. Did you not see her? Blackwood looked back at the girl lying on the bed and knew it was not Mary Shaw that his apprentice was referring to. A witch. She was here. Blackwood whispered to himself. The sight of the crooked fingers disappearing into the shadow now replaying behind his eyes. She was barely three feet from you, Fee exclaimed. I believe you, Fee. I saw her too, Blackwood assured. He looked back at the girl again still trying to make sense of what had happened to him, still trying to understand what he had seen. I just didn't see her in this room, he finally said, turning to meet his apprentice with a hard stare. Bewilderment lightened Fee's face. There were rare occasions that he had dared to question his master's sense, and this was one of them. What do you mean? Blackwood dismissed the doubt he saw in his apprentice's eyes. It was understandable. His mind was still coming to terms with it all. Despite the decades of hunting magic kind, this was not something he had encountered before. Images from the memory, at least that's what he had thought he had witnessed, flashed across the back of his eyes. Some things are better left unsaid until dawn. This has been Blackwood, a Gothheim tale, adapted for audio from the works of Clyde Davis. You can find the print version of this story on paperback through Amazon. Continue supporting Clyde by subscribing to Narrative on Substack. 
where you can find new stories from him weekly. This podcast is narrated and sound designed by Alex Schiffer, with intro and outro music by Josh Fisher. Album art is done by Waldo Buckner, who you can find on Instagram. Thank you for listening, and join us next time for more Blackwood.